a Muslim. And a Jew. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> Why was that funny? It's always so fun to do it. I don't know. I want to th- create a theme song. We like sing. We should. Yeah. We should make an official <laughs> intro and play it every time. Oh my God, we should. That's such a good idea. I just thought about that just now. Okay. Well, that to my to-do list. Yeah. Added. All right. So what are we talking about we this talking? week? Oh, what are we? Okay. Well, there we go. Okay. I'm going to answer that question for you. We are talking about the United Nations. And our what beef is with the them. organization? What is the history? Why is it sort of work, but it actually doesn't? <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to go on a rant basically about the United Nations today because I think right now, with like what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, I think a lot of people are kind of like, okay, wait, well, the United Nations, like, what are they doing about it? It's like, well, we'll talk about why they cannot do certain things and can't do certain things why they're beautiful in theory and frustrating in reality reality um so the history what is the un <laughs> um okay so basically it was established after world war ii because like world war ii was obviously a shit show for a lot of reasons but also the holocaust happened and everyone was mm-hmm. like we need like a better way to handle things like that um not funny but so leaders from all over the world proposed a new organization uh to quote-unquote maintain peace and prevent abuses of war so obviously the league of nations existed before that which ultimately failed for a lot of reasons that the un tried to remedy in their creation um and it was created by the atlantic charter which churchill and fdr outlined together with goals of like how war should work ideally, I guess. And, and um, basically they together paved the way for the creation of the UN, which is a global diplomatic and political organization dedicated to international peace and stability. (laughs) Amazing. And um, I know that Eleanor Roosevelt was like the person who was kind of doing this for FDR, like really going um, abroad and creating the UN. Um, we and, should do an episode on first ladies and how all the shit they did and didn't get credit for. Ooh, yes, that would be good. That'd be great. Ah, Honestly, it's, that would be a long episode too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, with the United Nations, um, it initially had fifty-one member states, and today it has hundred and ninety-three members. Um, and then there's of course there's like a few members who are like observing members and. Um, so on and so forth, like, for example, Palestine. Um, and then uh, they their initiatives basically try to prevent conflict. They provide food, medical assistance and emergency offering humanitarian support. So it's like a peacekeeping organization just to um, highlight all of that. Um, and you want to go over the four main goals as yeah, as we will. They have been criticized for policies, uh, bureaucracy and spending and stuff like that and some other uh issues that we'll talk about later um even though they have also accomplished they have accomplished quote-unquote successful peacekeeping missions i would like to know who's defining the word successful though but again we'll get into that later their four main goals (laughs) are to maintain international peace and security to develop friend friendly relations among nations love that in theory achieve international cooperation um in solving international problems and to be a center for harmonizing <laughs> it's funny the actions of nations in the attainment of these common ends obviously that sounds great that really I does this is the, i just want to just point out okay this was created okay in 1945 right the four main goals 
do we see those goals playing out ever in history? Not, not so First one, actually, maintain international peace and security. First of all, the Where? harmonizing. <laughs> the word harmonizing for me is like that's what gets them. me. It's the harmonizing. Like it everyone's on nice. board together. You, listen, the UN should exist, or something should, and these are great goals, but. Mm-hmm we can go more into how they're actually implemented. Yes. Um, and why they, like, there's specific reasons why it doesn't work. And, I mean, it is, I will, you know what? I'm going to get to that point in a second. I'm going to get to that. Do place. you want to talk about the UN bodies first, or should we go to successes and failures first? Yes, let's talk about the bodies, because then the bodies are going to explain the successes and failures. Okay. So, so um, the first is the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Security Council. Mm-hmm. And just to emphasize the Security Council, there's 10 members in total. And um, actually, no, I think there's 15 members and then five permanent members. See, I want to know the thing. However, either way, there are... Um, are around Your issue is with members. the five permanent, so go ahead. <laughs> I know. But go that's on. the thing. It's the There are five members out of the in the Security Council that are permanent, that they stay on forever and then the other members they just rotate every few years but the five permanent members and i just want to say are going to be russia china the united states france and britain um so keep those countries in mind i'll repeat it again and then after the security council we have just like the economic and social council trusteeship council international court of justice and then the secretariat who is obviously the person who is um, running the the assembly and so on and so forth um but that's the we'll body come, you want to come back to the security council yes yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. but and the security council we will definitely go back to because that's where all like the the final decisions are made like let's say the general assembly they're getting together and like oh my god we need to address the situation that's happening like for example in ukraine Right. So if they come up with some decisions and they're like, OK, this is what you do, like A, B and C, they're going to go to the Security Council. Security Council is going to deliberate and try to figure it out. If there is one veto from any of the five permanent members, it does not happen. Period. Yeah. It cannot. One. And then it's like just, one it's... veto, not majority, one veto from any of them. Which like to like such an underlying issue is that what that creates is people sitting around in a room talking about. I don't know what to do when people are dying is like usually how it plays out. And I just think Rwanda is the best example. The worst example of that is like how many people died so quickly and people and people are sitting in the UN just talking about intervention and not doing anything. And there should be a better system in place to be able to immediately respond to those types of crises. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, so, it, that and like just to emphasize that point again too. It's like it requires yeah that speedy response. So like to be doing yeah, and it, that's like what it doesn't it can't do. Yeah, it's too bureaucratic. Yeah, which is like what most people criticize mm-hmm. it on and yeah. spending and then. So mm-hmm. basically, the successes are vague and are fit the failures. We're, we'll talk about are more specific. Um. They've provided food to over 90 million people in over 75 countries. Obviously, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Something, though, that I thought about when I read that was, is it like giving, and I should have just looked it up, is it like giving food or is it like creating farming and like sustainable processes for like countries? 
I can answer that and I will food. say no. Like they're just giving food. Like they're not yeah. creating like that's the problem with the UN. They don't create they don't actually solve they, like, drop cases of water bottles like yes. in the yeah. create tents and they the just Congo, give food. but like don't Yeah. Yeah. Um they've assisted uh, more than 34 million refugees which again like assisted uh, like did you solve the refugee crisis because there's like I it's just like that's so vague and I I think about like UNRWA the United Nations Relief Works Agency yeah I don't know if I did that let the letters right but they're supposed to like help the Palestinian refugees and like let's take a look at where Palestinian refugees are today, not in a great place. And like, why does that even still exist? And also we're funding the Palestinian authority, which sometimes money goes to or to families who kill Jewish Israelis. So like, how, who are you helping? Mm-hmm. Is that the, is that an example of assistance assistance? Do you know what I mean? Cause that's not helping yeah. refugees. It's just, it's exactly just like a bandage. System. Just like throwing money at a problem. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because in order to solve the root cause, it requires, like, some sort of, like, actual structural change within the country that's creating the refugee crisis. And in order to address that situation, you know, like, that's going to require international efforts, for example, with sanctions or maybe not sanctions, maybe, like, I don't know, certain discussions or intervention. I don't even know. But basically, like, it does require that structural change and it won't happen Um unless they actually get like full approval but every single country has like their own interests in mind so they're not actually in the united nations necessarily to create a positive exactly they're yeah they're not there to harmonize they're there to just like maintain their allyships or just maintain like a standing in international like politics so that they don't look bad you know um so on and so forth like it's all symbolic that's what i love how we're like we're ripping apart the successes and we're not even at the failures but exactly because we talk all the time about root causes like how do you actually solve a problem it's like the root cause yeah just giving food at a problem doesn't do anything you know it's like if so if you see a houseless person on the street like you give them food but like they're gonna eat that and then that's it like they didn't learn the problem a skill or or go to therapy to fix something or they didn't know they're gonna eat they're gonna continue you know like yeah. It doesn't do anything. They do have some policies about education that I think an initiative would be interesting to talk about in another episode. But, um, okay, this is one I thought was interesting because they claimed they've um, authorized 71 international peacekeep- peacekeeping missions. Just because you authorize it, like, what does that even mean? Like, did it work? What was the outcome? What were you successful? You authorized a mission that was under their successes, um, assisting countries with their elections. I'm pretty sure the U.S. has assisted with some elections that didn't turn out very well. So again, what were like the long term outcomes? Oh, and I want to also mention one thing when I when it comes to international relations too, like um there are like theories where other countries who go into other countries to basically fix a situation um is very problematic because like when you don't understand like the culture exactly. of the country or like the dynamics you are mm-hmm. creating like policies that would not work like at that in that country exactly because you're thinking exactly. of one narrow-minded mindset and Just that's like so how bad. people get mad some people about like bernie sanders trying to like make america socialist that's literally the same thing 
kind of, as no, literally the same thing, kind of, as us going into another country and saying, this is the policy that we think would work for you guys. Like, yeah. no, like, realistically, socialism isn't going to work in America, at least not right now. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. why people get mad. They say that's, like, not, like, how we function. Like, but yeah, what, work, what works in people. Switzerland is not going to work here in the United States. Exactly. It would be a disaster. You would have to tune it to the United States. Like, that's what people need to really, truly understand. Like, we went into Afghanistan to establish democracy. What happened when we left? The next day, the Taliban took over. Like, it doesn't work. You have, like, the people themselves within the country, they need to create the the, the change. So maybe, like, some type of way to, like, empower the people to create the change. But, like, we, the United States, cannot go in and tell them. Yeah. It's just the same way that, like, um, like, I think about teachers and how like decisions are made on our behalf and on our, the behalf of our students but like we don't have a voice that's really frustrating and it doesn't work because we don't listen to the people who are impacted by decisions mm-hmm. and who have to like live with the decisions long term like they're not going to work yeah that's where like the white savior mentality doesn't work because the white savior is coming in thinking like this is how life I know is best. and i must work this way then it works for, for me everyone. so do that white yeah. the white man's burden right the responsibility yeah. of the white man to go spread their quote-unquote superior culture to asia and africa like all Mm. of these like that it's the same idea like you why do you think you know better than this country like maybe it's not because they're not a democracy maybe it's because people are starving and maybe Mm -hmm. like that's the problem like there are just so many nuances that we cannot understand so it's like like when i that we don't try to exactly like i think when we could talk about intervention we're not talking about to intervene actually into their country and to mess it up like we're talking about like maybe a different type of intervention like i don't know like it it wouldn't it wouldn't it would have to be like i don't even know i don't even think there can be an intervention like i think it just requires that the country get left alone you know like maybe oh here's an intervention that's well, one, one of the intervention things would be the example of when you need an intervention is when like genocide is being committed or like, yeah yeah there you go that's crimes. what i mean by gen- intervention yeah like those instances not like literally when, rwanda yes not when countries are just functioning differently than we think they should exactly exactly right so like if if they're functioning all weird and stuff like that it's not our business you know and like if there's serious human rights violations at that point then i think the only way to kind of address that without like ruining their culture um is by like international organizations or international companies maybe mm-hmm. like pulling out to hurt the rich there for example and then, then the rich is gonna have to like change so maybe from there right but if you go in and you change their laws you don't know the culture like it could go south just like it did in afghanistan yeah so f- about 50 countries a year they help with elections mm-hmm. i wish i'd gone more into detail on the on these successes but this is a good one providing mm-hmm. vaccin- vaccinations for 58 percent of children in the world yeah yeah which is obviously good because you're you're mm-hmm. you're making people safer and healthier mm-hmm. i don't know if like they're teaching people how to administer vaccinations or you know yeah. like I don't know, or if they just go in and vaccinate, which, by the by, vaccinations actually come from Africa. I don't know where in Africa, but have I ever told you this? This is, like, one of my favorite fun facts. Like, when polio, I don't know, something. Maybe it was earlier than polio. Uh, Smallpox? Whatever. Something. Mm -hmm. Which one of those happened, like, when slavery was a thing in America? Mm -hmm. Smallpox? Whatever. Um a someone's slave like this guy in boston had an, uh, his enslaved 
person got I'm trying to like say it politically correct whatever mm-hmm. um told him about vaccines and how like they like did it where he was from in Africa and the guy was like that's crazy like because it does sound crazy like you inject people with like basically the virus mm-hmm. and I don't know I guess he like convinced him it was a good idea or something and like he ended up telling I don't know the scientific community I don't know he made it happen uh he brought like vaccines to America because of his slave and then like he got the credit for it of course but, like we took we took yeah. that from we took that from Africa which we like see as the dark continent you know and like being underdeveloped and behind us but like that's where we got vaccines see, and that's the thing I would think about medicine and it's like medicine was so awesome like in like tribal cultures like indigenous medicine is uh-huh like really cool I remember like one thing I loved um learning about when I went to visit the Mayan pyramids um in Mexico I think I went to go visit Chichen Itza um and there was like a strategy that the Mayans used where like instead of taking like Advil or drugs for like headaches and stuff mm-hmm. like you have a pressure point on your hand right where your thumb like acupuncture your wrist. type thing yeah and you press that basically really like as hard as you can obviously you don't want to hurt yourself but like hard as you can for like maybe 30 seconds and just periodically and your headache starts to go away and yeah. it works I do it uh, all the time indigenous medicine is fascinating it's fascinating it's probably healthier too I mean rather than so, taking a drug that's bad for my liver I just press a point a pressure point on my hand at- Speaking of root causes, indigenous medicine is designed to get at root causes. It's to be healthy, not mm-hmm. to respond to unhealthy, like, situations that arise. Exactly. Like, they um, were the advanced cultures. That's just, like, so twisted to see it, like, how Europeans saw it. Then it's, like, they were the advanced ones, not the Europeans. Yeah. Europeans were really behind, took advantage of all the inventions of, you know, Africa yeah. of and the Americas. And, then and they- Asia. Yeah, and Asia especially, especially Asia, like everything. Oh my God, as a history teacher, I can name so many yeah, yeah. inventions that only came from there. Like I'm having like I, flashbacks right now to world I, history. It's like crazy how Europeans like really did not invent or start anything. much <laughs> anything, like much. Like only thing I can think of is like the Romans and the Greeks, but like that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Like that, it then they that dissipated, yeah. you know, and that, and then everything became Africa, Asia, you know. I also told that vaccine story horribly, and I wish I could remember it detail by detail, but it's in the book Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent, which is one of my top five favorite books of all time. It's oh literally so enlightening and painful to read, but like absolutely fascinating, and I highly recommend it. You know, that would be a fantastic episode to talk about very famous, like medicine like medicine or you know just health and like where they actually originated from yeah that would be cool that'd be so great okay there you go next um speaking of health uh the un also helps about 30 million women a year with maternal health efforts again i don't know what that looks like i hope uh, um education is part of it like again for the sustainability i think that it is they talk about like yeah birth control and then um yeah not just like treating things Mm -hmm. but like preventative Mm -hmm. um health education and then they quote unquote protect human rights with treaties and declarations 80 (laughs) i just want to say too international law is not binding it's not binding this is all just just a promise doesn't mean that human rights aren't being violated oh yeah absolutely it's like they do that 
it's just in the air. Like it, it's actually there's no strat like steps to actually take to like hold anyone accountable. It's like, all right, we have declared human rights, and everyone's like, all right, and that's it. That's it. There's no yeah. there's no thing to follow up with that. Yeah. Um, so that is a great segue into failures. <laughs> and the one I'm the most passionate about is Rwanda and the genocide in 1994. That mission was a complete failure. I mean, there were instances where, like, the UN was going in and literally just taking out, like, Westerners. Like, uh, it's one of the places where UN peacekeepers were accused of sexual assaults, like, of sexual assaulting the victims of the mission they were peacekeeping for. Like, it just was a complete failure. They, like, they went in too late. It was just, a, it was a disaster. Um, yeah. I just feel like it highlights all of the reasons the UN doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fucking sad because that was, that was people sitting in a room talking about what was happening and not doing anything. Like, and that was an instance where like intervention needed to be immediate. It was a matter of days with thousands of people dying. Yeah. Like there is a movie on this. And when you watch it, you're thinking like hotel Rwanda, that movie you're watching the whole time you're like easily easily if the un was there if like if there was a p if there was some other party that was there easily would have stopped like you look at it and it's like like it was just the people themselves like you know like you know killing each other and it's like you can put in bring somebody in to stop that and it Mm -hmm. just it was like it, I wouldn't say it was it could didn't. have been an easy mission, but it was doable. This one it was, was also actually like doable. Clear. It was yeah. clear cut. Like this is what's happening, and we know what's happening, and like we need to do something about it. And no, and they didn't. And on a more positive note, Rwanda is one of the places, like South Africa, that su- pretty successfully utilized restorative justice after an instance of extreme conflict between groups and it was mostly led by Rwandan women because they more men died um and that was a pretty I mean heartbreaking but beautiful process I mean people who had killed like Hutus and Tutsis who had killed people from the other side were like taking in kids from the other side because like there were all these orphans like uh, it's insane how that even happened but the the coming together afterwards was um, intense. That is amazing. That would be a really good episode, just like on restorative justice. Because, yeah, I mean, no doubt it works. It works. It's just easier for countries. I don't even think it's easier to be punitive. I think it's harder. But it, in people's heads, it's easier to be just punished rather than just find the problem. It's harder to be empathetic than it exactly. is to be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, the next example, Haiti, cholera. I didn't know about this. UN workers are allegedly. I mean, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's proven they they were blamed for spreading cholera in Haiti after that earthquake in 2010, killing more than 10,000 Haitians, which is wild. I mean, that's like an accident, obviously, but still, mm-hmm. it showed like I, the intentions and the impact did not line up when they went into Haiti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oil for food program. I also didn't know about this one. It was designed to allow Iraq to sell oil through the UN in exchange for food and medicine. But then 
like, duh, a lot of the money was funneled into Iraqi government and UN officials got paid off and stuff. So that just, like, was corrupt because oil, of course, it's going to become corrupt. Then, like I mentioned before, the sexual abuse allegations, um, peacekeepers have been accused of rape and paying for sex in um, countries that they've gone into, most notably uh, the Republic of Congo in 2005, Cambodia, Haiti, uh, Rwanda, and some other countries, which is obviously so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, then... South Sudan. By the way, tons of Sudanese, Sudanese refugees are in Israel. Mm-hmm. South Tel Aviv. But uh, another unsuccessful peacekeeping mission in 2011. Basically, they just like didn't stop civilians from being killed, tortured, and raped. That was crazy, Sudan. And, and again, just to a emphasize, lot of refugees, another refugee crisis. Yeah, like, like, what is the purpose of the UN if they can't even go into peacekeep? Yeah, I'm not like. Also, like, it's not like we're trying to say I don't think that it's like easy to do this. Yeah, it's like just, of course like, there are. It's job. difficult. You can't just like, hop into a country and go exists. in. Yeah. So like, but, why doesn't it function? Exactly. I, like that's what that's what I think what we're trying to get at. Like. Obviously, it's difficult. It's very difficult to just go into a country. You can't just do that. You know, it's like very um, Eurocentric to even think that way, to just mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm going to go in. However, the UN is meant to function in a way where it's supposed to maintain peace. Why doesn't it function? Why can't it do what it's supposed to, what it was meant to do? Do you think um, it should be reformed or like a new thing should be made? I think. I think it just needs to be reformed. I just look at, like, just the structure of it. Because there are things that are preventing anything from happening. Like, yeah. any decisions to actually be made. And yeah. it's that one thing, which is, it always goes back to the Security Council. Um, so, like, an example of one of the, <clears throat> so one of the failures, of course, is, like, what's happening with the Uyghurs, um, what we talked about in the last episode. Um, and that is in China. They are in concentration camps in China. China is a permanent member of the Security Council. Mm -hmm. The UN can do a not a thing because one, China is denying it and two, they can veto it. Easy. So you know what this makes me think of? I was um, the Chief Justice of the Panhellenic Council at Gettysburg, um, which is so funny. But so that basically is the Panhellenic Council like runs recruitment, sorority stuff and like violations of Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, my job was, like, facilitating the discussion about violations and, like, how they were handled. And one time, Gamma Phi, my sorority, was uh, in trouble, whatever that – there's probably an official word for what we were – whatever. We violated some rule, and we – I wasn't allowed to be in the discussion. Like, I wasn't allowed to be in the session that decided, like, what happened to us duh like i was in charge i was the chief justice i wasn't a like sitting council member and i wasn't allowed to be in it because that makes perfect sense i'm biased Mm -hmm. um like why doesn't the un do that the freaking panhellenic council does uh sororities are like the dumbest thing ever (laughs) good question julian let me tell you why all right let me tell you exactly why everyone's like wait why is there why in the world would you do five permanent members and one veto is gonna switch everything welp welp Let's go back, all right, to 1945, all right? So it's being created. It's being created, right? And I know Eleanor Roosevelt's there. 
and she just like she's she's <laughs> i know my girl like, eleanor is there my girl's over there right and she really she's thinking like this is going to be like this international binding law like like organization like they are going to keep countries in check and so we start to the united nations starts to you know draft some some articles some some decorations and stuff like that and one of like you know the most um important ones is going to be the universal declaration of human rights and which mm-hmm. was created in 1948 and so um, I will look at specifically what that entails. So there's, of course, multiple um, articles within the declaration. Um, but for example, Article 1 says, All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in the spirit of brotherhood. All right. So, of course, um, born free. Here's another one. Everyone is entitled to the rights and freedoms set forth in declaration without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, sex, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth or other status. I'm going to repeat that again. Wait, without sorry, distinction what of this? race. What? what year was this? This is 1948. And so that article I just read just said that you cannot discriminate just on color, right? What was the United States doing, Julia, in, in the 1940s? We were segregated in schools, right? Boom. There you go. That's one, right? Segregation like crazy. <laughs> Jim Crow. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes. So segregation, obviously, across the country. Um, well, mainly in the South, but still Jim Crow. Um, and then, of course, uh, this is something that's not talked about a lot when we talk about, like, when slavery was ended, um, quote-unquote ended. Um but there, I, I mean, I implore everybody to watch the um, sh- movie on Netflix 13th. called 13th, the documentary on just mass incarceration. And 13th um, is basically highlighting a point in when uh, slavery was uh, outlawed. Abolished. Abolished. I, yeah, yeah. Abolished is a better word. And it said you cannot um, put anyone in, obviously enslave anyone unless, hear that. Unless it's for punishment of a crime. That yeah, unless they're in jail. Exactly. So you can't do labor or enslave anyone for labor unless they're in jail, basically. And so that's when we get mass incarceration. So yeah. I'm going to ask you, Julia, when slavery was abolished, was it actually abolished? No. Like, did the South no, accept it? Then, like, all right, cool. Then majority, I mean, thousands of black men recently freed african-american men were arrested for loitering and vagrancy and probably some petty crime also mm-hmm. um like when i mean petty i mean like maybe as, they were they walked across the street and then they were put in jail for life yeah um and used as slaves to build the infrastructure of this country and so up until like the 1940s even almost up to the 1950s legally there called, used as slaves yes Sorry. They legally use that slaves. There's something because known as prison chain gangs. In the 13th Amendment, mm-hmm. that said, you can't, we can't have slaves anymore unless they've been criminalized for, yeah, like literally any reason. And just to actually quote it directly too, it says, neither, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States. And yeah. so that's what we have. Lots and lots and lots of prisoners. Um, or individuals in prisons, uh, specifically black and brown. And that's um, also where that narrative of black men being criminal comes from, mm-hmm. originates from. Um, yeah. I just think 13th does like a phenomenal job so showing you like 
how history has gotten us here because a lot of people struggle with the idea that like slavery effects is like the effects of slavery are lasting today which I get that people struggle with that idea because if you're white and you went through you know like the public education system like it doesn't make sense like but it does when you really learn about it it -hmm. makes perfect sense no exactly and um also with like 13th like study after study after study shows like black and brown people do not commit more crimes than white people they just don't like it's either at the same rates or like white people it's a little bit more like it's not so why is it that it's like there's what is it five times five times more black men are in, are incarcerated at five times the rate or four times the rate but like the it's still crimes. like a lot for the same like same crimes like that doesn't make any sense and they're the minority like in the united states like this is on purpose right so just to don't go we back have to- the most aren't we the country with the most people in jail in the whole world yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's so freaking wild and so, like, there you go. So, they clearly very explicit, like, obvious human rights violations happening in the United States that are going against the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948. Therefore, if this was an international, like, law-binding organization, what would have happened to the United States? We would have gotten in trouble. <laughs> We've been in big trouble. We would have been in huge trouble. We would have been addressed whatever the UN could do would be would be able to do basically and so we create the five permanent members which include the united states russia china france and britain yeah the five groups of countries who have molded and made their footprint very noticeable in the world mm-hmm. um and so yeah so the united states can always just say nope sorry not us can't do it sorry un nope 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 like, okay, fine, punish them, but not us. You know what I mean? Like, it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it starts from there. And so to go back in the end, the UN, clearly it's just symbolic. Like, you can't make actual, like, like you mentioned, like with the Penalana Council, like, you had to be out of the room in order to actually make some unbiased decisions. I like to believe that I wouldn't have been biased. But obviously, in theory, like, you can't, you can't hold people accountable if Mm -hmm. if they're getting a say in how they're being held Mm -hmm. accountable because that would assume that people are going to be unbiased towards themselves. And that's just, like, not human nature. And that's the thing. We need to look at organizations like this, like, when they're structured this way, like, the the individuals who created these organizations, they're smart. They're smart. They're not stupid. Yeah, like, it wasn't like an accident. Exactly. It's not like, oh, like, our politicians are so dumb. Like, blah, blah. No, 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 no. These people are smart. All right? So it's like, the when meaner you stop... they are, the smarter they are. Seriously. It's like, stop underestimating them. Like, that's they actually know I'm what like, they're doing. Donald Trump isn't stupid. It's just yeah. <laughs> like, he acts like a dumbass, but he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, we need to look at our politicians and really not, like, stop underestimating them. Like, they act stupid, but that's on purpose. Like, so you don't think that they're, like, actually capable Dangerous. of, like, danger. But yeah. they're all, they know what they're doing by doing these things. Like, for example, like, our politicians, like, the conservative, like, Republicans, I'm pretty sure they actually do 100% believe in global warming. But it doesn't help them to believe in it. Oh, I None doubt, of the constituents I, do. I bet such a small percentage of, like, really conservative uh republicans actually don't believe in in climate change like because that is i'm sorry like i don't mean to be petty but like that is being stupid yeah um 
But there's a very not stupid, just mean explanation for not caring. And yeah. it's because it's not going to affect you in your lifetime because you profit economically from not caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can politically charge your argument against it. Yeah. Like, and it's if like you actually don't believe in it. It's because you're uneducated on it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and like, like, I literally think people fake it. Yeah. Like <laughs> these people are educated. Like a lot of these politicians went to law school. They went to Ivy Leagues. Like maybe some of them are rich and their dad and mom got them in. Right. But like, no, for the most part, these people are educated individuals. They know things. But then they go out acting dumb because they want to relate to their constituents. And so, like, we think that they're not capable. Yeah. Do you think Americans are stupid? Yeah. (laughs) It's actually not even about being, I mean, maybe it's about being stupid. It's just about being uneducated. Like, we have our, their constituents are uneducated and they're just taking advantage of that. Not all of them. People who look at scientific evidence and, like, don't believe it. What is that? Ignorant? I don't know. Like, stubbornness? I don't know. What like cognitive dissonance. Wait, how did we how did we get to climate change? Yeah. <laughs> Can the UN do something about that? How about that? Because like none of none of anything else matters in like fifty years from now if no one like, knows anything about climate change. I feel like I say I... that every few episodes. Yeah. And it's super dark, but it's like yeah. what I think. Yeah. Or fear. It's dark. It is dark. And so, I don't know, like, I look at the United Nations, it's like, there can be, if it was actually an international binding organization, like, you would, all the countries would have to, like, agree to, like, reduce, you know, emissions by, that's like the Paris Peace Conference, right? Like, reducing emissions by a certain percentage, and, like, if you don't, then you actually get a punishment. Like, before it's like, oh, you, you're untrustworthy. Hmm, That's it, that's the punishment. And that's like, okay, it doesn't do anything, like, no one actually cares. But, like, there needs to be an actual, like, punishment. Maybe it's not government intervention. But maybe the punishment is like you're gonna lose like some co- like American companies like our our companies will pull out of your country and that would suck for you you know like something like that some type of punishment that's not gonna like murder the country but also like mm-hmm. it give them incentive to keep up with the climate change promises right like yeah. if it was actually binding like in those ways like there could be more accountability but it's not at all it's just like it's just like an agreement. It's like, but it's not a binding agreement. It's like you kind of like say, all right, I'll try. And that's yeah. it. That's what it is. I'm going to try really hard. Yeah, yeah maybe. So, we'll see. If it, if it works for me. <laughs> if it's convenient for me, I'll try. That's basically what it's saying. Are there any other, what other constructive criticism would you give to the UN? I feel like. Stop giving legitimacy to dictor- dictatorial, I can't say it, dictatorial <laughs> regimes. Um so I like, would say, like, invest more in their, like, educational initiatives. Yeah. And, like, and those, like, sustainable interventions. And also freaking figure out how to make immediate interventions in cases of, of mass killings and genocide. Yeah, like, actual counter. And then with that, that would require, again, like, some more binding stuff. But then it's, like, also countries that, like, are committing genocide should not have a say in what's happening to you. And maybe they can observe. Mm-hmm. You can become an observing. If you Like, the countries, if you are literally starving your people, like, in North Korea, for example, why are you a, a permanent member? I'm not a permanent member. Can people member. Yeah, go, get, like, put on, like, timeout? No, they don't. That doesn't even oh, happen. Like, no one's on timeout. Okay. That's, like, not a thing. Are you sure? Like, states Unless, can't like, be all the countries probation. vote to to make put them on timeout i think it's something maybe like that okay because i feel like that should be a thing you know like you violate human rights 
you get put in the corner for a few years, maybe. <laughs> yes, like something like that. Like, um, oh man, I want to like know for sure what they do. You know what? We're gonna put that on a a maybe, like to see. Yeah, we'll table that for a second. We'll table that. But yeah. either way, there needs to be like some tangible like punishments. But that are not when we think of punishment, we think of military. I'm not saying to invade their country if they, you know, do something. But like, I think hurt, like hit them where it hurts, and I think it's like money, like make the rich people and the people in power in the country suffer. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when you put sanctions, overall sanctions, it just hurts the people. That's true. But then, yeah, like um, yeah, we think the- of trickle down economics. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like something to just like only hurt the rich. Like that's what they were saying. Like international companies in a pull out of Russia so that the rich are like, all right, Putin, stop, you know, like, yeah. but the people aren't affected. Like something like that, there that needs to happen. And we have some very smart individuals who can figure that out. Yeah. I think there just needs to be a better system for accountability and, and a yeah. better system for like immediate intervention in, in um, time sensitive situations. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know. Like, people know this it's not like these are novel ideas so why does it not already like why i don't know just like why is it not already better <laughs> i know it's like you're sitting here and just like does no one else see this it's like we see it but it's like i guess it doesn't affect me directly so i don't really care so it's like everyone just in their own world so i don't know with this i think people need to know like because before learning about the un like truly i thought the un was like the best organization ever yeah, yeah like, no, i don't know i used to want to work it. for the un yeah not that too. i would honestly not that i wouldn't still because i think you can affect still do more some change good. like if there were education or, initiatives that'd be good yeah like you can affect more change from within institutions that yeah. are either problematic or just need um revamping mm-hmm. but you know i used to just we learned about it as the successful league of nations yeah and like yeah even with like with that too it's like we i think another good solutions too is like the un i don't even know like i would have to look deeper into this but like if countries that like let's say struggling countries right the nonprofit organizations within it who are actually trying to enact change submit requests to the un to say okay we are having a you know like a lot of um like pregnancies and stuff in this country and it's like hurting women because they can't like feed their kids and we need to like more you know sexual like, reproductive health classes or education so yeah. can you come and you know make your education and curriculum like this and help educate our people right because like we're with they that, the UN, to is the not UN choosing how to educate you needs. exactly if the people within know what the needs are so now they're asking for help so it's like we should not be going and forcing our help into anywhere we should be like wait and then people are just going to ask because I feel that like is it needs thing. to have a little like a grassroots component it where, has like, to. where like instead of just going in to to respond, but like to have like a preventative aspect where like UN and I wouldn't call them peacekeepers. I would call them something else. UN whatever people are like representatives are working with like community members and not governments, but with community members and. Um, 
to determine like where what what the needs are and like where where support would be the most beneficial. See, that's exactly it because then you 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 guard against the idea. It's like oh my culture, I know what works for my country, so I'm gonna put it there. It's like mm-hmm. you avoid those problems because like, the people within it they they know the best. The people yeah. who are experiencing issues know everything. So like. Yeah. And you provide the resources and let them d- take the resources and do what, what they want with the resources. I think that's what it's about. Like, all right, here's some, you know what to do. All right, we're here to help you if you want it. You know, well, we'll do what you tell us what to do, right? Like, that's yeah. what the, the community members need to do. Like, they tell the UN what to do. The UN should not be going and telling anybody what to do. Nothing. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Um, unless it's, like, blatant, like, why are you committing genocide? Like, obviously, yeah. that's bad. Yeah. So... But in this, like, terms of a structure of an organization or a structure of a government, well, that's going to be really up to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just think yeah, we can, like, end it with that. But it's, like, when we talk about counterterrorism or, like, trying to stop crime, you have to go to the root cause. And the best efforts are grassroots efforts. Like, I think about Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Like, she was able to turn Georgia blue because of grassroots. Yeah. You know, AOC beat that incumbent in New York because of grassroots. Like, impossible feats were achieved, you know, like because of grassroots yeah that's the moral of the story there you go you un not that you care hire us un (laughs) (laughs) we can help you out (laughs) Ah, we think too highly of ourselves yeah all right stay tuned for our next episode on something and see you next week see you next week Bye bye